And he told them, tarry until you be endued with power, because you'll never be a witness of God without the witness of His Spirit in your life. So go and tarry until you are endued with power, and God will empower you to communicate even whenever you don't even speak the same language. Now you say, Pastor, I know that's what the tongues is for. Tongues is for a lot of things. Tongues is for you to communicate with God in prayer. Tongues is for a gift in tongues and interpretation. Jesus said, go be filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit of God came upon them with a tongue of fire because your tongue can be a tongue that starts a fire that's destructive or it can be a tongue that is a tongue of fire that can be a blessing. And we need God to get a hold of our tongue. (laughs) That wasn't even part of the message. He said, Terry... Until you be endued with power so that you can be a witness of me and my spirit. Paul is no exception. He was passionate with his words. He said, I charge you, Timothy. I, I, in the Amplified, it says, I solemnly charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I charge you as his official messengers. Did you know that you and I are ambassadors for Christ? We represent Christ. Everywhere we go, the only time somebody's going to know who Jesus is and that He saves and that there's hope is where somebody goes and tells them that truth. Yesterday I went through the car wash and, uh, you know, I didn't know it was going to rain. But uh, if God didn't, uh, if I didn't know that, if I had known that, I probably would not have went to the car wash. But God had a plan. And I drove through that car wash and there was a young man there. And I said, young man, I said, Jesus loves you. He said, he does. I said, yes, he does. And I began to minister to him a little bit. And I said, did you know that? He said, I do now. Now, he didn't get saved, but you know what? I'm going to get my car wash next week. And I'm going to talk to him again. And I'm going to get my car washed the following week. And we're going to keep working on him until he knows that Jesus died for him and that there's salvation for his soul. Amen. We're ambassadors for Christ. We represent him and his word. And the greatest message God ever gave humanity was that Jesus died for our sins and that we could have salvation through His sacrifice on an old rugged cross. And have life everlasting. You have been saved is what Paul told Timothy. You've been touched. You've been redeemed basically. You've been delivered. You have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You say, Pastor, that's not what he says. That's what he was saying and that's what God is saying to you and I today. We have been saved, we have been touched, we have been redeemed, we have been delivered. We have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. His goodness has led us to repentance and so great a salvation, right? Right? If you believe that, say amen. So you should have and must have the greatest of compassion for people that are lost. Freely you have received, freely you should give. Until Jesus comes, we are in a season 
of rescuing souls from the clutches of Satan, sin, and hell's destruction. Right now in the time that we're living in, they need to know there is an answer. The world, I can tell you, there's a lot that are reprobate. There's a lot that have already been marked by the Antichrist in a sense, if you will. But there's still a people that are searching. There's still people, a man that God is trying to get a hold of. There's still people that need Jesus. Amen? And God's heart to you and I is go out there and preach the gospel to them. You've been reconciled and you have a ministry of reconciliation. So go into all the world and preach. God's heart is I'm not willing that any would perish but that all come to repentance. So Paul tells Timothy with all of this being said preach no matter the season. Preach. We're in a season and it's not going to end until Jesus comes back for souls to be saved. There's no season for us to preach and then to stop and wait for another season. It's always a timely season to minister to someone. So preach in that season no matter what is going on. Whether it's favorable or unfavorable. Whether it's convenient or inconvenient. Whether it's welcomed and received or not welcomed and received. Whether it's times that seem right or times that don't seem right. Jesus said it's urgent. Work while it is day. Because the night come with no man can work. Look on the fields. They're white. They're ripe. They're ready for harvest. Yet many are waiting for a feeling or a burden. I come to tell you today, lost souls are the only burden you need. The need is the call. The need is the burden. But some people say, I got to have a feeling before I can go. You don't need a feeling. You just need to do what God's word said. And if you begin to obey him, he'll give you a feeling. He'll touch you in such a way that you'll be broken. Angela went to go to those clubs and began to minister and got involved in that treasures. And she come home at 2.30, 2.45, 3 o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning. And here I am, and, you know, sleeping and I'm in, you know, in na-na land. And she comes over and wakes me up, tears streaming down her face. I said, you didn't leave that way, but you came back that way. You just obeyed the Lord and God began to touch you with a deeper burden. He began to give you that feeling, you know. But a lot of times people are looking for a season of feeling, a season of emotion. I can tell you the, the lost population of this earth cannot wait for you to feel the right time. Right now is the right time. It's the season for people to be saved. Yet many are waiting for a feeling or a burden. Lost souls are the burden. God never asked anyone how they felt. Where's it at in the Bible? Do you feel like going and preaching? He said, preach. Go. He told Jeremiah, go. Don't even look at their faces. Go. 
I went to the jail one time and I preached this, but I went into that jail and, and I went and filled in for another chaplain and I went to Mod I and I thought, I've never been to Mod I. I've never been there at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I always go on a Wednesday or a Tuesday or, or maybe a Friday and it's always 5, 6, 7 in the evening, you know. But I'm going to this day service and I thought, this is very odd. And I went in there and I walked in and I said, I'm in a men's prison and I didn't realize that they had women here at this prison, this jail. I found out they weren't women. They just looked like them. They were trans. And I thought, if I get my hands on Joe Archuleto, who talked me into coming over here into this group here, you say, Pastor, let me tell you something. Don't say nothing till you've been there. But I walked in that jail in about 14 Men walked in, and they had a section over here. They looked all like women, and then this side over here looked like people that, you know, you wouldn't want to let your kids around. I'm just saying. And I'm sitting there, and I thought, Lord, here I am in this room with these, these men here. The, the, the depravity, there's no bottom to some of them. They're in protective custody here. And here I am, and you sent me here today. And I said, Lord, number one, you've got to protect me. And it's as if the Lord put an eight-inch thick glass wall between me and those men. He said, preach, they'll not get up from that seat. And they sat there, and half of them got mad, and the other half wept through the service. And I preached the love of God to them. I didn't bash them. I didn't beat them up. But I told them straight. I said, God's not pleased with that life. He didn't call you to be a pervert. He didn't call you to have inordinate, unnatural affections and attractions for the same sex or for a child. I said, he never called you to be that but I've come to tell you today if that's what you are he will deliver you and I preached the gospel to them and said God will set you free and liberate you and I preached we prayed the sinner's prayer and I grabbed my guitar and I left it wasn't very long that a man came I don't know a few years later I say not very long it wasn't very long someone wrote me a letter and they told me they said when you walked in that door and you began to sing and you begin to preach. It was as if Jesus walked in the door. That's the way it's supposed to be. Amen. Every time Jesus came upon the scene, it was a perfect season to do something for the kingdom of God. To do something to win somebody. To minister to somebody. But a man wrote me and, and he said thank you so much. I dedicated my life to the Lord and I've surrendered my life and I'm serving God now. And then there was a few years later a man came and he he said to me, he said, I was in that service. Do you remember? And I said, yes, you wrote a letter to me. He said, I never wrote you a letter. I said, oh, you're two. You're number, you're the second fruit from that. I don't mean that in, a, in that kind of way, but you're the second person that was fruit from that ministry that came. And he said, I was in that service and I got born again. 
And he said, I'm serving God. I'm leading worship in my church. In fact, he came a few months ago and he said, I want to get my picture taken with you because I'm sharing my testimony in my church. And he shared his testimony. He sent me. It's on YouTube and everything. Said the pastor came in there. Jonathan Skiles, I got his picture here on the PowerPoint. And all of this, I said, Jesus saved you, brother. I was just an instrument, but I'm grateful that I could be a part of what God is doing in your life. What I'm saying to you is this, amen. Let me get back up here to my notes so I stay where I'm supposed to stay today. We have a responsibility to minister in this dark hour. And there are people that will respond if we'll go. Yes, there's masses that will not. But there are people that will. And we have to go into all the world because there are some that that fit into that category of whosoever will. Amen. There's those that are whosoever won't, but whosoever will, we have to preach to them, and it's a timely season. God is not willing that any would perish. He never asked us to feel a certain way. I didn't feel so great going in there, but I felt great when I left. He's not concerned about our feelings. If all it takes is for Satan to disrupt our feelings, we'll always feel like doing nothing. Took somebody to the jail one time and they said, I just don't feel it right now. And I thought, well, so somebody's going to go to hell because you don't feel it. They still need the gospel. And even with your attitude, I can tell you God will use even your bad attitude in there. You say, he will. I'm telling you, Paul said whether the gospel's preached through contention or through by, by way of persecution or, or it's accepted willingly, it doesn't matter. The gospel's preached. <laughs> Praise God, as I said in my first, uh, as I said in my first couple messages, seasons come and seasons go, whether you do anything or not. Tomorrow may never come. And souls are weighed in the balance in the valley of decision, desperate in need of salvation. And God is saying to you, now's the season. Now is the season. And 80% or more of preaching today is on messages focused around Christian people's problems, their hang-ups, their past trauma, and all of that. Amen. Y'all are quiet. I'm going to tell you, we have put too much emphasis upon all of the hang-ups that Christian people have when we need to be out with tracks in our hands and preaching the gospel Because I can tell you, if you're out there doing what God called you to do, you don't have time to focus on all of the trauma from your past. Amen. Come on now. You want to know why you focus on you? Because you're not focused on the harvest. You're not focused on the people that are lost. And church, look, we've all had trauma in our life. Grab a tissue. Clean your nose. Amen. Wipe your eyes and say, Jesus saved me. I'm not a victim anymore. I'm a victor through Jesus Christ. And so we're not going to sit here and have a powwow and pine away around all the things that didn't happen in our life and all the trauma and drama. I'm going to serve God because people are dying and going to hell. Ain't got time for no drama and pity parties. 
we got to get up and do something. I don't want to stand before God and Him say, you wasted a lifetime because all you did was sit around and wring your hands about all the things that made you sad and upset. Oh, hallelujah. 80% or more of preaching, just listen to it. It's all about and focused around your Christian problems, your hang-ups, your past trauma, and save people's lives while multitudes plunge into hell without God. Look, I know we have problems. Get in an altar and pray it through. But don't let that handicap you and cripple you from being an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Represent Him well. I preached this Thursday how David ministered to Keilah in the greatest trial of his life. When Saul is chasing after him, he's still ministering to people. And he saw deliverance and he saw, you know, them be delivered and he fought for them. When you're going through trials, I've been there whenever I was going through some of the hardest times of my life. But I still preached the gospel. I still prayed for people. I still picked up my Bible and went to the hospital. I still went when they called and said pastor I need prayer and he said don't go there and dump all your problems on them you go and you lift them up because my word amen will not return void my power is still the same I'm still a God who gives joy unspeakable I'm still the God who gives victory I'm still the God that's the healer and you're the agent that I'm using amen There is no greater blessing than when we get our eyes off of us and on to lost people. He will dispense a fresh anointing in your trial or troubles as you care for another. Amen. Amen. God chose you. Remember that. And He chose you and He gave you the greatest experiences in your life in Him of, of, of His healing, of His deliverance, of, of the joys of salvation so that you could go and give what you've received. Life. He chose you. So in this season of ministry and harvest, do not be afraid. Satan plagues us with fears, especially of man and rejection. I don't like to go door to door because I don't want to be rejected. Jesus was rejected. Just remember this. His rejection was our acceptance. And you cannot let the enemy plague you with fears, especially of man. What he doesn't tell you is as you fearlessly speak in this season, the tables are turned and the hearer feels the conviction of a godly fear and the Holy Ghost. Amen. When he tells you you're not doing anything, don't go do that. Don't, you know, I can tell you, the, the script is flipped. When you feel, when he comes with such intimidation and fear, don't speak to them. Aren't you afraid to go over there? Aren't you afraid that they're going to reject you? I can tell you, there have been times the enemy did that and I went over and I began to minister to someone and God was dealing with them. That's why the enemy was trying to keep me from going and speaking to him. 
Because he's watched their life. He's not omnipotent and he's not omnipresent, but he's watched their life. He sees where they're at, and he doesn't want you going up to him and ministering to him. So he's going to put fear on you to keep you from bringing the message to minister to them. Church, we cannot operate in that fear. We can't allow the devil to plague us with that fear, the fear of man, the fear of rejection. Hallelujah. Their soul is weighed in the balance. They're the harvest that we must reap. I remember Brother Clendenin sharing how that he went to a meeting and they said there's a Latter-day Saint Mormon here and, 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 and you know, he, he speaks in tongues. He said he's still in the Mormon church. Yeah. So he went over there and he said, sir, he said, when did you get born again? He said, I never got that. He said, sir, do you know that you're lost? You can, you can say you speak in tongues. Devils speak in tongues. Oh, people that are in witchcraft speak in tongues. Amen. There's some people that in church sometimes that think they're full of the Holy Ghost and they're not. And they speak in tongues, but it's not God. It's not a holy tongue. I can tell you, anybody full of the Holy Ghost will go, ooh, that ain't right. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I've watched people, even in our own churches, they begin to speak in tongues. I see all the Holy Ghost full people look at each other and it's like, yeah. That's because that same Holy Ghost in all of you knows that that's not God. But let me move on here for a second. I digress. <laughs> And just say this to you that Brother Clendenin looked across the table to that man and he said, Sir, do you know that you are lost? You're not born again. So you're going to go to hell except you receive Jesus as your Savior and walk away from that false cultic doctrine. Or not doctrine, but belief. And, and they said, Brother Clendenin, they said, you're mean. He, they said, you don't have any love. He said, I'm the only one at this table that loves the man because I told him the truth. I'm the only one that does love him. I have to tell the truth. Well, you cannot let the fear of man bind you up and plague you. We struggle with fears. Fears that I'm not able. Fears that I'm not qualified. Nobody is. The only reason anybody can do anything is because the Holy Ghost comes upon them. And they're able to communicate under an anointing with a power that has conviction. And they've learned from experience and from being used of God. Because everybody started like you did at one time and felt like I'm not qualified. Nobody is. I've seen people that were qualified to speak because of their, their, uh, uh, their learning and what they learned and what they gave their study to. But there was no anointing. And I can tell you, only the anointing breaks the yoke. I don't care how educated you are. If you are not full of the Holy Ghost, you are not going to impact or affect anybody. But the struggle is there. So all you need to do is be filled with the Holy Ghost. But we have that fear, I'm not able. I'm not qualified. Nobody is. We all must depend on the Word of God and the Spirit of God. It's not your story. It's His story. But you've got to tell it. Amen. And you've got to tell it in love and you've got to tell it in power and the Spirit of God. See, we compare ourselves with other people and Paul the Apostle said it's not wise to compare yourself with somebody else. Why? Because we all have a measure of God's grace that is unique for us and our lives. Our unique lives and our experience. 
And to compare yourself with somebody else is to diminish and rob God of His opportunity to use you and all the graces that are upon you and giftings that only you possess. Did you get that? So it's not wise to compare yourself because what you're doing is you're diminishing God's grace. And you're saying it works in his life, but because I feel inferior and I feel inadequate that I'm going to sit over here and shrink down and I can't do anything because I'm not like that person. Don't compare yourself. Because I can tell you Santo has a testimony I don't have. I've got a testimony he doesn't have. There's grace on his life, a holy, the Holy Ghost on his life, and I have grace on my life and the Holy Ghost upon my life. And, and I shared this at Pastor Lee's when I preached there two weeks ago. And I heard him in his first service, and I thought, Lord, how in the world do you follow that? He was just phenomenal. It was just beautiful, the Word of God and the grace. And the Spirit of God came upon me, and he said, Jonathan Skiles, remember this. He said, the grace of God that's upon him is the same grace of God that is upon you. He said, remember that story your daddy used to tell as he preached and talk about old Indian Joe could barely speak English but he stood up there and he said Indian Joe used to be like this orange hard on the outside but one day Jesus came and he began to peel away that rind and that that outer core of that orange and he said God begin Jesus began to peel away the hardness in Indian Joe's life in his heart and he said now Indian Joe is like this orange he soft in the middle in his heart and he's fruitful and he jo- and juice comes out of this and it's refreshing and he said this is what God can do Jesus can do in your life just like he did for Indian Joe and in a three minute message people in the room under the anointing of the Holy Ghost were weeping and they ran to the altar so God said just because you don't feel like you're as educated or you're as learned as somebody else or you even know the depth of the Bible doesn't mean that God cannot use you and that there's not a grace upon your life because you are effective and I went out to my car I preached God gave me freedom and I preached and I went out to my car and a man came up to me tears streaming down his face and he said Pastor Jonathan he's from Portugal or Brazil, or somewhere south. He said, Pastor Jonathan, I know my English is broken. He said, but you ministered to me today with a different voice. I hear Pastor Lee every week, and I love him. But today you came, and my heart has never been so stirred as you spoke. He said, the same grace upon him is upon you. It's just different. It's unique. Just like my son, just like Santo, just like Gilbert, just like Danny, just like Justin, just like all of you sitting here today. There's a grace upon you, so do not compare yourself with somebody. That's a trick of the devil. 
I can't do what they do. You're comparing yourself and saying that the grace of God upon their life is greater than what God has done in your life. But guess what? Your history and all of the experiences you went through, they can never do that or be that. Only you can. I've never done drugs, but there's people in here that were bound by drug addiction. And they can minister to somebody in a way that I cannot. I've never been incarcerated. But there's people that have been incarcerated in prison and jail in here that can minister to you in a way that I cannot. There are people that lived in a perfect home. They had an intact family of mom and dad. I did not. I know how it feels to come from a broken home. There's a grace upon my life that I can speak and minister in a way that other people can't. Somebody that's lost a loved one, a dear loved one, a mama, a daddy, a child, they can share with you something of God's grace upon their life that I can't or somebody else can. So do not compare yourself with somebody. That is, that is not wise. And what it does is it slights God of what he could do through you because you limit God and what he can do. You do. I do. Because we say, Lord, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to shrink down. Why? We all are part of this body. Did you know that there are 7.5 billion, probably 8 billion people in the world and that doesn't even include all the people from the beginning of time whenever God created humanity. Think about all the people that have come and gone, died, all these thousands of years. And we were all created in the image of God. Think about that. And every one of us has our own individual DNA that nobody else has. You are the only copy of you. Some of you say, when God made me, he broke the mold. And <laughs> Amen. There's only one of me. There's only one of you, Willie. There's only one of you, Esther. We are unique, fearfully, and wonderfully made. We have our own DNA, okay? But we're a living soul. We were created in his image so Every one of us is a reflection or an expression of God. And in Christ, an even truer, greater expression because we're right with God. Because I can tell you the sinful part of people is not an expression of God. The evil part is not an expression. Only that which is Christ in us. But think about this. All the billions and billions and billions of people that God created in his image are all, a ref are all some part of a reflection of God. It took that magnitude of people to express who God is. And that's just scratching the surface. The, can you, the, the vastness of God... It's mind-boggling. But before you go and say, I, I, I don't have ability. I don't have what they have. Yes, you do. You have what God wants you to have. You have what God wants you to have. And he'll use you where you're at. 
I, there's places that Jesse San Martin can go that I can't go. I don't go. I'll never work on his job and be there and minister to the people around him. I'll never minister to the people, you know, Francesca and, 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 and Yesenia and Myra. They sit in that, the people sit in that chair and they have one right after the other. Just, a, a, that's a mission field right there. Because you know everybody comes in and you are psychologist and you are counselor and you are everything because they sit there and they pour it all out. That's why you ladies really need to be prayed up and full of the Holy Ghost and know the word because you got to give them life. Amen. You have a captivated audience. They can't leave. Well, they can, but they're going to leave looking pretty messed up. So you're done. Amen. Don't take the curlers out until God's done talking. We have a mission field. I'll never go there. I can't do that. That's not, that's, you get what I'm saying. Don't compare yourself. There's no, com there, there's no comparison there because you are unique. You know, I got that toolbox and it's got all those sockets in there. And a 3 8 can never do what a 7 16 can do. And you know, there's some special needs for an extension. Some people are an extension. Some people are a specific socket for a specific person. A sp I don't even want to say it, but I'm going to say it. God has a socket for every nut. Some of you say, I was a real nut. But God had a specific fit for you to be used. Oh, I'm moving on here. I got to get going here. When we shrink because of comparison, God is not displayed and thus is robbed of his glory. So don't operate in comparison because you are saying the God of my testimony isn't good enough. And he is. He is. Think about it. So let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father that is in heaven. Trust me. There are, as I said earlier, I'm going to repeat that. Hallelujah. This is the season. This is the season that you decrease so He can increase. Amen. The day you say, Lord, I can't do this, He says, I can use you. Amen. I, can't, I cannot use people that think they got it all figured out and that they can do it and that, you know, they're the best thing since the Apostle Paul. I can't use those kind of people, but I can use people that come humbly. My dad used to share the story, and I've shared it before, but I'll tell it again, about the young preacher that went up, and he walked up there as he went up to preach. It was his, it was his first time to preach in church, and he walked up there, and he had his message, and he was all polished, and he walked up there, and he was all pompous and this, and he got up there behind the pulpit, and he drowned trying to preach. What do you mean drown, Pastor? He was up there and blah, he just couldn't, he just couldn't preach. He couldn't do nothing. There was nothing there. It was a failure. And he walked down with his Bible under his hand. I love this. My dad used to tell us it makes me cry. He said an old preacher slipped out of that pew. 
And he said, son, I'm going to tell you something. He said, if you'd have walked up the way you walked down, you'd have walked down the way you walked up. He said, learn something about humility, son. Go up humbly before the Lord, and you can rejoice in the glory of God. Not you, but the glory of God. And you can rejoice in what God has done. And so just remember this today. There is a season, and we're in it, for people to be saved. And all God needs you to do is obey Him in that season. Like the man that was on the bus, and he was sitting there on the bus in New York, and the Spirit of God came upon him and said, Get up and start testifying. Get up and start preaching. Get up and start witnessing and evangelizing right here on the bus. And at first he was afraid, but he stood up and he began to share and he began to preach. And some man had a four or five-year-old boy sitting on his lap. And he stood up and he said, shut up. And he sat down and God said, I told you to get up and preach. So he stood back up again. And he began to preach. And the man said, I told you to shut up. And he kept on preaching and he kept on preaching. And the man's energy raised so high and he was screaming. His face was blood and he's foaming at the mouth. I said, shut up. And the little boy in his arm looked up to him and he said, Daddy, this man speaks for God. And he looked down and he just sat down in his seat and he burst in tears. And the man walked over there. And he said, sir, he said, I'm just trying to tell people about Jesus. And he said, I know. He said, I know God is real. And he said, you do? He said, yes. He said, because my son is mute. And he cannot talk. But he just spoke. Because you obeyed God. Church. All God's looking for is vessels in this season. They're lost. And He will empower you and anoint you to be used for His glory. This season is so important because rewards are involved. Listen, people say rewards. Yes, we need to teach on the rewards in that Bible. Because one day we're going to stand before God and there's going to be rewards. There's many, many scriptures about the rewards in the Bible. And this season is important for that reason. Above and beyond the fact that people uh, need Jesus. But there's a reward for, for those that are faithful. There will be a judgment of the quick and dead. The living and the dead. The dead will be judged for their sins. The living will be judged for their deeds. And rewarded. You and I at the rapture of the church. Will be caught up to meet him. We're going to be at the marriage supper of the lamb. We're going to be there. Not at the white throne judgment. But the judgment of the saints. Amen. As we come through. And we're not going to be held accountable for our sins Jesus already paid the price for them but we're going to have everything that we did go through that fire and if it makes it through the fire and it was gold on the other side and it lasted there's going to be a reward for that there's going to be a rejoicing in that there will be a reward and crown to those that you know were that, that walked this walk and an incorruptible crown is what Paul said I'm going to read these four scriptures to you and then we'll close 
close, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, and stay here with me. You know, it's only one, it's only 12, 1220 right now. So we got a little bit of time here, but I'm not going to keep you all day. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, Paul said, And every man that strives for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we, an incorruptible crown. So I therefore, he said, so run. So run, not as uncertainly. So fight, I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body. And bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. There is an incorruptible crown for those that run this race and keep themselves right before God, who have a disciplined life. That's why we need to discipline our lives. Not only because He calls us to discipline, but there is a crown and glory for that kind of a disciplined life. James, in the first chapter, in verse 12, says, Said this, and Brother Kevin brought this out some time ago. It was so powerful, it was so wonderful because we read things but we don't see them and pay attention all the time. But in James 1.12 he said, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So there is a crown of life for those who patiently endure trials and testing and temptation. 1 Peter 5 verse 2 says this. 1 Peter 5 verse 2 and this is to all those that are leaders and that are pastors. Amen. Under shepherds. 1 Peter 5 verse 2 says this. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Take the oversight thereof not by constraint but willingly not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind neither as being lords over God's heritage but being examples to the flock and when the chief shepherd he said let me get back here where it was and when the chief shepherd shall appear you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away for you that have been given to ministry and God has called you or you've stepped into that role I don't care what ministry you're in God is using you as an under shepherd you've got to know this there is a crown of glory for those that did it because they love God and they love the people amen that they were serving. Some people love to serve. They love titles. They love to be recognized. But it's those that love to serve the people of God and serve Jesus. He said the greatest among you, the minister that's the greatest among you are those that serve. Amen. So get down on your knees and begin to wash the feet of the saints. Wash the feet of the people. Well pastor, am I supposed to wash their feet every week? No, you're supposed to go over and say God let my tears amen wash the feet of every person in this church let my tears as I cry out to God Lord weep and cry wash the feet of the people that are under me in that ministry don't go and preach to people that you don't love in prayer before you get there you have nothing to say if you didn't bleed your heart out over them in that prayer closet. It 
You say, I'm a leader. If you're a leader, get in there and lead the prayer meeting. Leaders, leadership is not about titles. You love to lead or do you love the ones you lead? What's your reasoning? He said, don't do it for money. I've had people I've asked to come preach, and I said, you know what? This was years ago. I said, I don't really have the money to give you an offering. He said, I'm not coming. I said, wow. You're not coming because I will not give you an offering. And it ain't because I don't want to. I ain't got it. I can't promise you anything. I believe if they'd have come, God would have anointed them. And he'd have saw to it that that congregation was a blessing to them. A crown of glory for being a leader that has the heart of the good shepherd. Second Timothy 4.8 is our text when the Apostle Paul said, I finished my course. I fought a good fight. I ran this race. He turned back there again. I love this. He said, I'm ready to be offered up. And the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. Finished my course. Kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Crown of righteousness for those who loved his appearing and kept the faith. And the final one I want to read to you is Second Thess- First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. He said, For what is our hope? or joy, or crown of rejoicing. Are not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For you are our glory and our joy. The greatest joy set before Jesus that caused Him to run to run to that cross and say, I say run, He despised not that cross. The Bible says He endured it. Endured the cross, despising the shame. Because he saw you and me born again. I'm talking about seasons. You've had your season where God got a hold of you. What about the season for other people that are lost? Let that joy and that compassion so move you. Pray. Say, God, I don't feel the compassion that I need to feel for people. God will touch you. He'll let you feel that. He'll, 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 I know I said earlier that we don't move on feelings, but, but he has to stir up that in you. And as you begin to step out in faith, he will begin to create that. Everything is an appetite that's created concerning the things of God. You don't pray. If you'll begin to pray, God will create an appetite. If you get into the word, he'll create an appetite. People don't have an appetite because they don't do it. People that don't eat lose their appetite. But there are crowns and rewards and rejoicing over one soul. The angels rejoice over one soul. 
that has come to Christ. It's not in vain. The service unto the Lord we're supposed to do heartily. And Colossians 3, 23 and 24. So don't be weary in well-doing. You will reap if you faint not in due season. Don't give up on your kids that are not serving God. And don't fret over the things that God is allowing to happen to get a hold of them. My dad was praying for me and I wrecked my car. A lot of things happened. But God was getting a hold of me. And we go, oh, I feel so bad for them. God's working. We prayed whatever it takes, no matter what. Amen. Some people in here that are not right with God, you got people that are praying. God, whatever it takes, it'd just be better for you. It'd behoove you just to get right with God. It'll save you a lot of heartache and pain. Amen. You won't have to lose everything to have Jesus bring you to himself. You won't have to be like the prodigal son who gets so far away and is broke, busted, and disgusted and lost all of his friends that he blew his money on. Finds himself out here saying, how did I ever get here? There's only one way back. i got to go back to the Father's house. And so there's a season when they wake up. God begins to answer the prayer that you've prayed. And one day, when you get to heaven, somebody's going to say, thank you for giving to the Lord. When you feel whatever you feel that keeps you from ministry or ministering, remember what God did for you. Remember not to compare yourself, but to have compassion because you're qualified by God by the fact that you're redeemed and full of the Holy Ghost. And there is a reward that is awaiting you and me for those who put their hand to the plow. And one day he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. Say, when you did it and you didn't even realize you were doing it, you did it unto the least of these, you did it unto me. But the greatest thing is that you're going to be there and somebody was snatched out of the fires of hell because you ministered to them. Amen. It's a season of ministry. Why isn't the church full, Pastor? Because we're not ministering like we're supposed to. Not everybody has a pulpit ministry, but every one of you are ministers, all of us. We have the greatest thing God ever gave humanity. Give it. Give it. There's how many people in La Habra, Kyle? 60, 70? Well, 2003, there was 59,000. Or 2,000, I'm sorry. It's grown. There's so many people in. There ain't enough church buildings and place, places for all of the masses of people that need Jesus. Everybody should be their concerted effort, their, their, their heart to see somebody come to Christ. Sometimes all it takes is just recognizing that somebody's there. My God, would you bow your heads in prayer? Bow your heads in prayer with me. Father, we thank you today. Thank you for your word. I thank you for this challenging message you challenge us, Lord, and you call us to ministry. 
because we are your ambassadors. We are your vessels. We are who you have chosen, God, to be used to minister. How will they ever know if we don't tell them, God, you've given us that commission, and we want to be faithful to it. And I pray this morning as we come to a close, we come to this place where we're closing in prayer, Lord, that every one of us this morning will answer the altar call for a lost world for Jesus Christ.